evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us this evening for the real deal with Student Pro Connect. Student Pro Connect is a social networking website and an app where students and industry professionals can connect. If you are a student or someone looking to change your career, you will be able to find valuable insight firsthand from people in the field. If you are an industry professional, this is a great way to give back and share your story to inspire the new generation. The purpose of this segment is to provide the real deal behind what it takes to start and thrive in various fields. Every segment will feature an industry professional telling their story and sharing their insight. If you have not done so already, please sign up on Student Pro Connect by either going to our website, www.studentproconnect.com, or downloading our app, which is available both in Google Play or the App Store. Please feel free to type in your comments and your questions during the show. Now, without further ado, I am very pleased to present our guest for this evening. She is a nurse anesthetist, or CRNA, uh, her name is Sharifa Lindo. Welcome, Sharifa. Hi, thank you. Good evening, everyone. Yes, so let's get right into it. So what is a certified nurse anesthetist? So a CRNA, which we usually abbreviate it for, stands for Certified Registered Nurse Anesthetist. Um, we are advanced practice registered nurses. Um, we're responsible for safely administering anesthesia prior to and during medical procedures. Um, we work in different settings as far as hospitals, surgery centers, medical offices, um, dental clinics. And, um, you know, we're responsible for administering anesthesia to patients during surgical, obstetrical, and trauma care procedures. Um, we also collaborate with doctors and other nurses to develop pain management plans for each, each one of our patients. Okay. Now, I guess, I mean, are you in the operating room? Is that yes. how, like, okay, so you're actually in there doing surgery? Yes. So wow. while you're having a procedure done, say you come in for um, gallbladder remover, removal, um, an appendix removal, any type of procedure that anesthesia is needed, we're wow. able to provide that. Wow. And now I said, it's just here dental clinics as well? Mm -hmm. So in certain dental clinics, um, especially uh, pediatrics, and when you know, you know they won't be able to tolerate sitting still, or they're scared. You know we can administer um, nitrous oxide. We can give what we call uh, Versed to kind of ease your um, anxiety. So usually they require an anesthetist to provide that care and monitor the patient. Got it. So it's kind of like you're you're relaxing or kind of numbing the patient yes. during the procedure. Got it. Got it. All right. So I guess walk us through it. I mean, I mean, you can even share with us kind of the path you take, which we'll talk about a little bit more later on. But how do you get to this point? So I completed a four-year um, bachelor's degree program, and once you do that, you get your um, registered nurse license. Uh, you take your NCLEX, which is the board, to be able to practice as a registered nurse. Um, once you complete that, if you're thinking to move forward and want to do CRNA, it is important that you have 
clinical experience as a nurse in the ICU. So certain programs will require you to do one to two years minimum of ICU experience before you can apply to a program. So once you apply to the program, um, you'll notice lately now all programs have pretty much converted over to um, a doctoral degree program. So that's three years in that program. And once you're completed with that, uh, you take your boards again to receive your CRNA license. And then once you're done with that, you're a DNP CRNA. Now, do you have to, I guess, in this case, do you have to go for the doctorate? Yes, you will rarely find uh, programs now in South Florida that do not require your doctoral um, degree. So now, yes, you will have CRNAs who went to school and got their master's and pretty much they're grandfathered in. They don't have to get their DNP. But if you're entering the program now, then it's going to be a DNP program. And you said it's kind of lumped in together. So yeah, going for so from the bachelor's and then you go into this program, it automatically is for you. So master's and doctorate kind of together. Yes. Mm -hmm. Got it. And how long is that? Did you say that's that's three years? Three years. Three years. Three years. And for the bachelor's, how long? I guess bachelor's is four because that's considered undergrad of college. So four years. Got it. Now, question: Could you go for an associate? and then go into the master's program? You, I don't think you can do that for anesthesia, but I do know you can do associates and then go into a master's program. But as far as it going for CRNA, I'm not sure you can do that for that. Got it, got it. Okay, so one thing that I've, I, when I was kind of researching the field before you know our show tonight, it says mm -hmm. that there is a lot of growth in this industry. So um, just a statistic here, it's expected that 17% growth, there's going to be a 17% growth through 2028. Um, I know you're in the field and especially one thing I want to say, first of all, I mean, I didn't bring it up before, but salary wise in all the different nursing specialties is also at the top, it's number one. So that's something definitely we should highlight. Um, but what are you seeing in the field? Do you see there's growth? Is it stagnant? What do you What are you seeing? Um, I feel like there's such an increased growth because I feel like the whole CRNA job. A lot of people, even today, don't know what does it. What is a CRNA? Yes. What do you do? Yes. You know, they they think we're all anesthesiologists, and it's like yes. no, you know. We have to kind of bring it down and be like, no, you know, you. We have to explain our role and the difference between you know, the anesthesiologist and CRNA. Not that there is a huge difference. We do the same thing. It's just, you know, the schooling is different and the degree is different. Um, one spent time bedside with patients while the other, you know, is more um, clinical per se, not really bedside. Um, but as far as growth, yeah, there's many things you can do. I mean. You know, some people may specialize only in pain in the sense of, okay, for example, uh, we have a block team. So if you only want to specialize in blocks, like nerve blocks, to uh, help someone through a procedure, like if they're having something done on their hand and they don't want to go through general anesthesia, be put to sleep, what you can do is a nerve block so that they don't feel any pain or anything on that arm while they're having the procedure done. Some people would specialize in only um, obstetrics, so they'll only do um, 
OBGYN, you know, they'll only be doing procedures to help, you know, the epidurals or, you know, be in the operating room for C-sections. So there's a lot of room of choosing what really you like and, you know, just in, enjoying that. So I guess a question here I'd have is when you're a CRNA, is it mm-hmm. by specialty or, uh, are, or do you, are you for all the procedures? You're able to do all, you're able to do everything. Now, depending on where you work, what hospital and what setting, it will kind of defer how independent you are or um, if you're doing certain things often. So for example, me going through school, I do I did everything, you know, because you need to have experience in all fields because you never know, you know, where you may end up. But currently, for example, I haven't done um, OB, which is obstetrics in a while, but if I were to need to do it, I've trained in it, you know, so I can. So, yeah. Okay. And then, of course, let's talk about the salary. (laughs) (laughs) So I know, like, (laughs) yeah, the salary is a big thing, like with CRNAs. Um, So the salary, yes, you make six figures. It does depend how much of a six figure range you make, because honestly, it depends on the state. It depends on what hospital. It depends on if you're doing private practice. You know, it depends on a lot. I would say it ranges between like 130s to as high as 200,000, you know? So it depends where you are, what state, what hospital, and what practice you're actually working in. Okay, got it. Um, and now, do you think it's, I guess it's because you have your doctorate. That's why it's, that's the hike, right? Just having that at that level, that's what makes the, the salary jump up. No, um, the doctorate honestly doesn't change whether you get more or less. Okay. It doesn't. It's okay. just more of, um, how do I say it? Uh, evidence-based research, you know, we're big on that in nursing and, you know, increasing patient care and, you know, better outcomes. So that's really the DNP part of your degree. Got it. Got it. Okay. So now let's go to your story, Sharifa's story. <laughs> so education. So you went to University of Miami, you did your mm-hmm. bachelor's in nursing, and then yeah. you stayed there and you continued on and did your doctor of nursing practice and then went on to get your CRNA. So I yeah. guess my question here would be, did you always know you wanted to do nursing? Um, I always wanted to be in the medical field. Um, I did originally want to be a medical doctor. Um, what changed my route was having my first child when I was 18. So I felt like, okay, what can I do to, you know, um, start making money now, but still enjoying the medical field. And I felt like nursing was the next best thing because I just, I'm more of a people person and I wanted to be able to, you know, communicate more with patients one-on-one. So I felt like that was the next best field for me. Got it. So once you kind of set your mind on it, once you were you started the program, it was clear for you that, that that's what you wanted to do. So you weren't like, once you started, you're like, oh, this is not for me. You just you mm-hmm. stuck to it. Yeah, I stuck to it. I, 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 I loved it. Got it. Now, did you go straight from bachelor's straight into, or did you take a break in between from bachelor's to doctor? Um, so between my bachelor's and then graduate school, um, in order to apply to the program, you have to have at least one to two years in the ICU. So I worked three years in the pediatric ICU before applying to UM for their um, DNP CRNA program. 
got it. So you didn't go into the, so you didn't break in between necessarily and then go back. No. Okay, no. good. So you just went straight. And total, so how, how much? Seven years? Is that seven? Uh, yeah. Seven years of schooling. Seven years of yes, schooling. seven years oh of schooling, God. yes. Oh my goodness. Now, <laughs> now with the certified, so the certified registered nurse and an anesthetist, is that also, that was coupled in, that's, is that another program to get that? that no, it's one program. Okay. okay. Yeah, one program. Okay. And then that's also master's too, right? So you got your master's at that same time. Yeah, they don't consider it getting your master's, they consider it getting your um, doctorate because it's either doctorate or master's, yeah. Okay, all right. So I guess you graduate mm -hmm. and then what happens? So you've been in the field as a CRNA for about seven months now, mm -hmm. um, yeah. um, but as an RN for three years. So walk us through what happens after you graduate. So after I graduated, um, I applied to different uh, CRNA position jobs. There's many positions, so there's never a question of, oh my gosh, am I gonna get a job coming out of school? You have a job before you come out of school, actually. Um, but I had a dream job that I prayed about, <laughs> and I was very grateful and blessed to get it. So I got my dream job, and um, I'm currently working there now. And it's been a good experience. It's been great, I can't complain at all. That's amazing. So you actually start getting, you already almost, you have a job before you graduate. So you start getting offers before. How does that work? So because during school, um, we have clinical rotations to different um, hospital sites. So you get a little taste of what each hospital site is like. What is the flow? What is the environment? What is the culture? So a lot of the times they're looking to hire CRNAs and you can always, you know, apply for those jobs prior to graduating and they will hold that position for you. And once you're done and you get certified and you pass your boards, then, you know, you go through the process of credentialing with the hospital and you start working. You even have um, some hospitals that will hire you and start paying you before you even work. But, you know, you're obligated and you sign a contract that you have to, you know, work for them. How? So I guess my question here would be, is, is it very competitive in terms of, you know, applying for these jobs? No, honestly, I feel like there's so many hospitals, there's so many places, people always need anesthesia, so you can literally get a job. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's only a matter if you're being picky to where you want, you know, but yeah. there are jobs without a doubt. That's amazing. Now, seven months. So you started at a crazy time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so peak, sure of, peak of the pandemic. So how was that? That was nerve wracking for me because the issue was even with CRNAs who have been there for years, you're now being told you need to somewhat change your role and be bedside in the sense of, uh, giving orders to, you know, certain medications you haven't probably seen in a while because, you know, you're out of that bedside role, you know, you're doing something else in the operating room. So I was nervous because I'm like, listen, I'm fresh. I don't really know exactly. if I can do exactly. that, yeah. you know, and, and like I've never worked night shift even as a nurse, like luckily, because, you know, everyone knows as a new nurse, you're like your first shift is night shift. But 
I had to do two nights, like one in the ER. I was dressed in a bunny suit and you're, you know, you're expected to help out as much as you can. And one night, I would say my worst night that I literally was just like mentally, if if they ask me to do this again, I may quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to prone. I had to prone um, COVID patients. And that was draining and exhausting. And, you know, you have a list of patients you need to prone and you walk by and you realize, wait, that patient um, passed away. Like, you know, it's, it, was, it was a lot. So wait, so tell us what is prone? What is that? Proning. Uh, okay, so proning is just a fancy word for saying you turn them to lay on their stomach because it was you know when you prone someone or when someone lays on their stomach it actually gives you better lung expansion and excursion to breathe and um, exchange oxygen throughout your blood so that was like an important thing for these patients to be proned okay okay so what happened so sometimes you go in there and what would happen Sometimes you turn these patients and like my sister had an experience. She's also CRNA. She turned the patient and they coded and they died because, you know, COVID also had issues with blood clots. So any little movement, you can break off a clot and that causes a whole cascade of events. So, you know, now what's how was the I guess along with obviously everyone was being tense. Did it change the role anyway? Uh, being that it started during COVID, was it was there more work because of it, or less work, or did you? Have there was less. Think? Okay. There was there was less work, and that was why we were put in these roles because at one point, if you guys remember, the Surgeon General said no more elective cases. So majority of our work is people coming in for hip replacement, knee, you know, stuff like that, yes. and um, that just had us sitting around, you know, wow. so they saw where there was a need for um, nurse practitioners to help or people to help prone or, you know, stuff like that. So we were put in places that we weren't used to. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Right. That's amazing. Um, so now I guess you've kind of already given us a little bit of a dose of the real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get into it in terms of first and foremost, what would you have done differently? Differently. I don't think I would have done anything differently. I feel like this job, being a CRNA, like really lets me be very autonomous where I'm not always as a bedside nurse running behind a a physician to be like, hey, can I do this? Hey, can I do this? No, you're making your decisions on your own. Granted, yes, if there is, you know, a question or if you just need a little feedback, you can always um, communicate with the anesthesiologist. But when you're in your room, you're expected to manage your patient. You know, you have the knowledge, you have the skills. So I I like that autonomy and I like, you know, the critical care part of it because it's not easy, you know, managing a patient who's a very sick under anesthesia. You know, you have to understand the drugs, the body, how it works, what it's gonna do. So I think it fulfills my little cup. (laughs) So I guess, I think that's a great point. So I like that you said that you do have autonomy and in the the sense. Now, I guess starting off, is that, does that also make you nervous? Because you're not necessarily having someone to tell you what to do? Yeah, it it does make me, it, it did, it made me nervous. It did because you're like, okay, wow. You know, when I first started, I was like, all right, like Sharifa, like, <laughs> this is your license now. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, so that know. independence comes with its own stress in a way, especially when you're just Definitely. starting. 
Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you have any mentors um, along the oh, way? Okay. Yeah, my okay. biggest mentor is my sister. Um, she's been a CRNA for about 12 years now, so I definitely yeah. looked up to her. She's the reason why I even know what a CRNA is. Yes, yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so any question, concern, I ask her, I talk to her. And we work together, so we definitely got each other's back. So it's been good. That's great. So you basically had it firsthand. You had someone who was in there and kind of giving you the ins and outs, which is yeah, yeah. incredible to have that. Yeah, definitely, okay. it helped a lot. That's cool. Um, now, what are some of the biggest misconceptions? I think we kind of touched on it a little bit because, again, we always hear about anesthesiologists. We never mm-hmm. hear about CRNAs. Yes. So the biggest misconception is everyone thinks everyone's an anesthesiologist. So I feel like anyone who's in the CRNA field should make it known when you speak to your patients and you introduce yourself, you know, let them understand who you are and what is your role, because it just advocates for us as a group and it just spreads more information and educates people that, okay, this is a profession and this is what they do. I guess one question I didn't ask from before is how long do you wait? Like, well, how long do you work? Like, what are the hours? Because the, oh, one of the misconceptions in nursing is you have to work long hours. Oh, yeah. So, no, 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 no. With this, you have different... Nursing in general, there's different hours to work. The general hours that are worked are 12-hour shifts as a nurse. As a CRNA, um, you have different options. Me, right now, I work 5 eighths. So Monday through Friday until 3 p.m. Um, my sister works two 12s and two 8s, and she has one day off. Um, some people work three 12s. Some people work three 13s. Some work two 16s and an 8. So it ranges. It's, you know, what you, what your facility that you're working at, what they're willing to let you work as long as you, you know, you make your hours. So, got it, yeah. Got it. So it's by the hours, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what is most challenging? Uh, you know what? I think the most challenging part that I have encountered so far is um, you're the last person to talk to these patients before, you know? And <laughs> if they're, un- if God forbid something goes wrong and it's not a good outcome, it weighs on you because again, you know, some patients will be like, oh, um, please don't let me die. And it's just like, don't say that. <laughs> don't yeah. say that. You know, yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, you're literally the last person to talk to. to these people, you know? So that's probably been the most challenging part about it. Got it. And then the crazy thing is you have no control. I mean, once you're in there, they're under, you know, they're in surgery. It's not yeah. just really on you. There's nothing you no. can do. No, um, you do your so best. Yeah. You do everything that you can, but. Yeah. So emotionally, would you say that's the biggest challenge? So I guess, what is the biggest reward? I guess, yeah. The biggest reward, I feel like, okay, so when, (laughs) I love when my patients say, oh my gosh, like, I felt nothing or wow, it's over, you know, and just interacting with them. And especially like when I do pediatrics with the kids, you know, it's a scary moment, like, me as a mom like my kids um my daughter had anesthesia twice so i know how it feels on the other end so i try to you know talk to the moms or dads and you know let them know 
oh, your child is my child for the day. This is my daughter, you know, just to make them feel a little comfortable. And so I guess the biggest reward for me is just my patients happy, you know, taking very well care of them. Of course, of course. And and if they feel nothing, that means you definitely did a good job. Good job. That's how they say, oh, I did good anesthesia. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Now, I know you've only been in there for seven months, but have you noticed any changes thus far? I would say the changes I've noticed, and I think the pandemic has definitely made it like this now, is... um, People are realizing that time is, time is important, you know, like you don't have a lot of time. And, you know, sometimes people would work relentlessly. Mm-hmm. And after this pandemic, a lot of people have transitioned out of the hospital into private, um, like surgical centers, because number one, you make a lot more money. And number two, you have more control over your hours. So I've seen that transition more in the few months that I've been in a hospital setting. A lot of people have um, left. Okay, and gone into those more yeah. private settings. Yeah. Or independently. Okay. Yep. Um, and then the last one, I guess, is kind of goes hand in hand with that too, is, is there room for girls? Yeah, there is. Um, there's so many things you can do being... Um, you know, an advanced practice nurse. Um, For example, after I graduated, um, I took a course at Botox and Dermal Fillers, um, um, Neuromodulators. And, you know, you can do other things. You can open up your own um, medical centers doing certain things. Granted, it wouldn't be anesthesia related because we can't yet be without a uh, physician for that. But, you know, um, I know we didn't really touch on it a lot, but even though I'm a CRNA, I'm also an advanced practice nurse, so a nurse practitioner. So if I want to open up a, you know, a hydration clinic, if I wanted to do again Botox and fillers in my own facility, you know, there's things you can do. Okay, okay. And I guess the biggest thing now would be, what would you, someone, let's say someone's thinking about going into this field, um, what's the best piece of advice you could give them? My best piece of advice is try to shadow a CRNA first. <laughs> okay. okay. See if this is for you, because it's not an easy job. Yeah. So I guess is that something that you could do? Could you go in and shadow? I guess when you're in school, you could do that. No, no, no. You can shadow. For example, um, I've had people shadow me. Um, they're nurses, and they're trying to decide: okay, do I want to do the CRNA route or do I want to do the nurse practitioner route? So for me, I just get the individual um, information and send it to my chief, and then we coordinate a day where they can come and shadow me. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think we have a few questions coming in. Um, okay. So the first one, I think is, you kind of sort of answered it. So can a CRNA work independently, like open a practice doing pain management? I think you, you answered that already. Yeah, so in the state of Florida, no. We can't open our own practice and administer anesthesia. We would have to have a medical doctor over us. Okay, okay. All right, so it's state by state. You'd have to yeah. go by based off of your state. 
You have to know the yeah, laws. Yeah. Okay. As of right now, I know Florida, we cannot. I don't know other states if they have broken away yet, but for sure, Florida, no. Yep. Okay. Okay. Another question. Um, so let's say someone's a registered nurse and they've been, I guess, I guess the question here would be, should you work as a registered nurse for a while before going for CRNA? Or do you recommend working in the field first? Um, honestly, so you'll like you'll notice that um, the requirements is like oh one to two years in the intensive care unit. But it's funny I was having this conversation with um, one of the clinical coordinators at um, a university for CRNA, and I was just like you know I feel like that's a bunch of crap because I feel like when you enter CRNA school, <laughs> um, whether you had ICU experience or not, I just feel like you're relearning a lot like so I feel like to me personally I think individuals can and should be accepted into CRNA school without ICU experience but you know that's what they have it as now okay okay um and then the last question here we have um all right so is your job is it a lot of downtime so once you give someone the anesthesia then what <laughs> Oh, so have you guys seen those memes where you see us sitting reading newspapers? <laughs> yes. What do you do after you get, after you administer? Then what? <laughs> so I go and I log on to my E-Trade. <laughs> <laughs> I go on Coin uh, Coinbase. I'm joking. Um, honestly, it, it depends on the patient. If the patient is stable, sure. You know, it's a it's a ride. You're riding through until they're done. You know, yeah, but okay. if the patient is unstable, trust me, you're you're giving blood products, you're giving albumin, you're trying to keep their pressures up, you're giving a whole bunch of medications just to maintain that patient to survive the surgical procedure. Got it. Now, how long are you in the surgery? I guess it's it's gonna range, but I guess how long have you been in the in the surgical room and you know having to administer? Um, hmm, it does range depending on the procedure. For example, yeah. like a, a spine procedure where your back is open and they're working on your spine, that can take you 12, 14 hours or a crany, which is working on your brain, that can take you forever. It just okay. depends on the procedure. Okay. But again, it depends on how long you're working. So I only work eight hours, so I'm only yes. in there for eight yeah. hours. And, you know, I get, I'm where I work, we get breakfast break lunch and afternoon break so <laughs> this job is amazing i mean for me i can't i still can't get over the fact that you can actually secure a job before actually finishing like or yeah, even for sure. i mean to me that's like uh, that's the biggest thing for me that i yeah, take away from you all. know why a yeah. lot of the time it's because these facilities that you rotated through as a as a student they already yeah. see how you work so literally when you rotate through these hospitals you're on a job interview if that's you true. think you're going to want to apply there make sure you look good that, that's a good piece of advice so when you're yeah. doing those rotations you're making an impression you're, you're establishing mm -hmm. yourself that's yep true. connect with the right people yep yeah. um and then the last we have another question it says um, how has the COVID pandemic, uh, how, has it had any impact on the CRNA job market? I think you kind of touched on that a little bit already. Um, it, it, I, I would, I don't, I don't want to, hmm. okay, so there's still a lot of jobs, a lot. 
there's not like a decrease in oh nobody's hiring oh no people are hiring okay so it hasn't been a negative effect okay and i know you had mentioned earlier that a, what you're seeing too is a lot of people are going into those independent they're private, leaving hospitals yeah, yeah they're going so like private. you know plastic surgery centers you know yeah, where everybody's more specialized yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, let's see. I don't think we have any more questions here. Let's see. Mm -hmm. All right. So thank you so much. We have learned so much. First of all, we first of all, we learned what a nurse and an anesthetist is, right? CRNA, which I think a lot of us didn't even know what that was to begin with. Um, And you gave us a lot of insight. And I thank everyone tonight for tuning in. Uh, Please be sure to register by going to www.studentproconnect.com or downloading our app again, which is available in Google Play or the App Store. We will be having our new show on April 21st. So please look out for that. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Have a great night. Bye. Bye.